Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Unbothered Podcast with Josh Morani. Today, I'm going to be talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick announces his retirement. Brady Rogers wins the match at Inside Bear conversation with the quarterback alongside Ernie Johnson. Uh, Brady talked a little bit about his return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then, is Aaron Donald retiring? What that would mean for them? And then, I'll shift to the NBA. Talk about the NBA Finals that is on tonight. Celtics, Warriors, who I've got and how many games What's going to be playing a big role in this series? And does Steph need a finals MVP to solidify his legacy? And then I'll get into the NHL Oilers Avalanche Eastern Western Conference Finals. And I'll round it out with my top five teams in baseball right now. But let's get started with John Madden being honored on the cover of Madden 23. It is only fitting uh, due to his passing uh, late last year, uh, December 2021. Only right that since the video game itself is named after John Madden, that he is honored on the cover. Uh, You know, the all Madden edition, throwing it back to the 88 cover. It makes sense. Total win for Madden, Uh, you know. A lot of debate if, you know, they go with the regular player, Cooper Cup, who had an outstanding year. But, again, it just felt right to have John Madden on the cover of Madden 23. I am looking forward to that. When the official ratings for players are released, I will be diving in to see who was rated appropriately or not because sometimes Madden has people ranked too high. And some people are rated way too low. So once those are officially released, I will be diving deep into that. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick has retired. And I want to congratulate Ryan Fitzpatrick on some entertaining games, entertaining times. Him and the beard, the nickname Fitz Magic, uh, due to some miraculous comebacks that he was able uh, to you know, manifest as his time as a quarterback, great career by Ryan Fitzpatrick. In my estimation, not going to be a Pro Bowl or Hall of, not going to be a Hall of Fame or anything like that. But you know, was just the total journeyman as a quarterback. Played with nine NFL teams. Was a seventh round draft pick out of St. Louis. So to stay in the league for 17 years, to start games for all nine teams that he played on, which was an NFL record. Uh, congratulations, you know, started 147 games, threw for 35,000 yards, 223 touchdowns, and 169 interceptions. One thing I feel bad about the most is that Fitzpatrick never made the playoffs in his career. Like I said, was a journeyman, a backup at times, uh, was always on, you know, a bad, struggling team. Uh, but his most noticeable stint was his one with the Buffalo Bills. That's where he started the most games. Uh, you know, not was his, you know, best time uh, statistically, but, you know, it was fun to see where Fitzmagic was going to end up, you know, throw him in for a couple of games. He'll look great, and then he'll kind of even out. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, great locker room guy, great chemistry, uh, was fun to watch in his brief stint. So again, congratulations to Ryan Fitzpatrick on a great 17 year uh, career in the NFL. Not many people last 17 seasons uh, due to injury or any other things, but uh, you know, stick around as a seventh round pick, you know, never be the guy. Uh, congrats to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then yesterday's, Capital One, the match, my prediction was that Brady and Rodgers would win, and they did, and it was thoroughly entertaining, the 12-hole match that had the veterans, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady on a team, go up against the young guns, and Patrick Mahomes 
and Josh Allen. Whole thing was comedy hour with uh, Charles Barkley and J.J. Watt uh, poking fun at each other about each other's golf game. Uh, Ernie Johnson had some jabs in there. Just the chemistry between the four quarterbacks as well on the course uh, was phenomenal. Fun to watch. Brady Rogers out to the early uh, lead two up. Then they kind of falter mid-stretch, allow Mahomes and Allen to actually get one up. And then, you know, you just see the old guy slip a switch and they win walk-off putt for birdie, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, great putt. But to me, what was really highlighted in that is, you know, they're all competitive. They all have fun, but Tom Brady's competitive nature stands out much more than the other three quarterbacks, and that's to me why he's the greatest quarterback of all time, greatest player, because of his competitive level. Uh, He was the one yelling, screaming the most for a missed putt, uh, the one who just looked ultra-focused, dialed in when he needed to hit a shot, hit a putt. It was Tom Brady. It's that competitive uh, edge that he has on his opponents, which is why he's won seven, seven Super Bowls, and he is the best to ever do it. But then they had a conversation, all four quarterbacks, uh, with Ernie Johnson, and Tom Brady talked about his short retirement stint, uh, You know, talked about his indecision, which really stemmed from his commitments to his family and where he thought that, you know, he didn't really want to be fully retired. It wasn't, you know, a 100% to 0%. It was more 55, uh, 45. But with all his responsibilities, uh, you know, it's a big commitment. Uh, but, you know, he still wanted to play and felt pressure uh, due to free agency. Starting back up, you likened it to running a marathon. You know, you can't decide two weeks before the marathon that you're going to start running. Uh, so, you know, it was really at the right time because you look at the guys that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to re-sign and attract in free agency. Obviously not possible without Tom Brady returning. You know, he returned the day before free agency started. Who knows if Ryan Jensen uh, re-signs Carlton Davis, Chris Godwin, you know, if they trade for Shaq Mason and for some others. Uh, but, you know, everything worked out. They've got better. Russell Gage, this team to me, is much improved with Brady returning. So it all works out. He knows the business side of the NFL uh, clearly. Again, one of the many aspects why he is so great we call LeBron Legium. Uh, but Tom Brady is the greatest non-general manager, general manager in all of sports with what he is able to maneuver and attract and get to his team. So again, Brady Rogers win the match. Brady was 0-2, lost to Rogers last year. They were reminding him that he hasn't lost three matches in a row of anything, three games in the NFL since 2002. Not something he wanted replicated. He won. They won yesterday. Uh, Definitely was a fun watch. Now is Aaron Donald retiring. He has hinted that he is at peace with his career. He only wanted to play eight seasons, which he has played, and has said that he's at peace if he does not get a new contract And uh, the biggest reason why he wants to return is that, you know, he wants to run it back a win again uh, because of the feeling that he had winning it this past year with the Los Angeles Rams. So is Aaron Donald retiring? If he were to retire, would it be a big deal for the Los Angeles Rams? Yes, it would. And maybe not by the odds maker standards. I think the sports books have the Rams at 11.6 wins around average right now. So if you round up 
That's 12 wins. They'd be 12 and 5. Without Aaron Donald, I think they're 10.2, so 10 and 7. So they go to a 12 and 5 team, which would probably win their division, uh, maybe get the one seed. To a 10 and 17 team, obviously not win the conference, might win their division, might not. Very tough division. So that is a big, big factor uh, for the Los Angeles Rams to me. To me, they go from being the favorite to win the division, being the second best team in the league with, or in the conference with Aaron Donald, to being not the division favorites, to me kind of co-favorites with the 49ers, and clearly not one of the best teams and the conference, they joined the mix with the 49ers and whatever the other team, the Cowboys, who digressed this offseason. So you're kind of throwing them with the Packers as well. Every team slotted underneath the Bucks without Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald is such a game wrecker. The way he is able to pressure the quarterback through the inside, I mean, the last three games that they won, uh, or the last two games that they won, the NFC Championship Super Bowl, were plays made by Aaron Donald uh, getting up the middle, getting to Jimmy Garoppolo, forcing an interception, and then in the Super Bowl, getting to, what's his name, uh, Joe Burrow, and getting him to throw an incompletion on fourth down, which sealed the game. So this would be a very big loss for them. Uh, this is you know, not just the best defensive player in the league. He's been the best defensive player for some time, but he's one of the best defensive players ever. Uh, I have him as a top five defensive player of all time. I think if he were to get another ring, uh, he'd probably be solidified right there at number two, uh, right behind Lawrence Taylor. Uh, but Lawrence Taylor has that MVP. You can't take that away from him. And that's something Aaron Donald does not have. But that would be a huge loss. Sean McVay has been reassuring, saying that contracts are going in the right direction. It's just a matter of when. But, you know, we're around 98 days from the start of that Rams-Bills game. OTAs are underway. The mini camps are soon to be underway. So it's just what... Are you going to do with Aaron Donald? Of course, the new contract is going to be the biggest. Uh, right now, it'll surpass the TJ Watts of the world that will be making over $30 million. And if you are the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams, if you are Steve, you have to wonder, is it worth it? This is a guy that is at peace with retiring. Right now, might have retired if we didn't even win the Super Bowl. Might have called it quits. So how much do I really want to shell out this Aaron Donald situation is very reminiscent and reminding me of a Aaron Rodgers situation. Of course, they share the same name. The two drama kings of their sport share the same name, Aaron, A-A-Ron. Aaron and his talk around the town the past few years got him a big new shiny contract. Uh, three years, 150 million, 50 million average per year. Aaron Donald is looking at 30, 35. And if, like I said, if you're the Rams, you want to run it back. So do you resign him or do you restrict yourself? You just gave Matthew Stafford a big extension with a decent sized cap hit. Do you assign Aaron Donald, take on a larger cap hit as well when you don't have a ton of money? Cooper Cup. Is he going to want a new contract? Uh, that'll probably shut the door. Aaron Donald's contract on OBJ returning as well. Uh, so there is a lot of things to factor in here with Aaron Donald if you're a general manager. Uh, I mean, not like you have his assurance as well, but he's going to be playing if you give him a three, four-year deal that he will play the duration of that contract. Again, very big. I don't see Aaron Donald retiring. I see him getting a contract much like the Aaron Rodgers situation. McVay is going in the, says it's going in the right direction. I'll take his word for it. But again, a huge, huge loss 
if Aaron Donald does call it quits, uh, big, big deal. Now moving on to the NBA. All right, we need to congratulate LeBron on being the first active NBA uh, player billionaire. Congratulations to you, LeBron, entering a rarefied air there. Uh, to be a billionaire is a pl- player that was one of his goals. Uh, so congratulations uh, to him. You know, great career. A lot of money made between your stints with the Cavs, the Heat, the Lakers. And then, of course, your uh, production companies as well and other investments. Uh, I mean, LeBron James is a business entrepreneur. He is a man, uh, second greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, Deserves it. Congratulations to him. Now moving on to the NBA Finals. Tonight, start Game 1, Celtics Warriors in Golden State. Who do I've got tonight? Who do I've got in this series? Tonight is going to set the tone. Uh, both teams have had a decent amount of rest. Boston operating on three days of rest. Golden State's had uh, just about a week, over a week, uh, for their rest. They're opening the NBA Finals at home. They closed the series at home. They, uh, they're Grizzlies at home. Now they get to start at home. Uh, you know, life is looking good for the Warriors. They're the favorites. You know, the odds makers have them installed as the money favorites. Analysts, everybody is picking the Warriors to win this series. But I'm not. I'm picking the Celtics to win in seven. Why? I have picked against the Celtics every single series so far. And they have proved me wrong every single series. First series, I had the Nets winning in seven. I thought the Nets' offense was just too good. Boston surprised me. Had terrific defense. Jason Tatum showed up for most of the games. Outplayed Kevin Durant, I believe. They won that series. Swept them. Absolutely shocking. Then they played the defending champions in Milwaukee. And I said Milwaukee was going to win in seven. And it went to seven. But Boston won game six and game seven. I believe if Milwaukee had Chris Middleton, it would be a different story. But that's a story for another time. Instead, Boston did win. Giannis played out of his mind, best player on the planet. But the health of Boston was too much. Jason Tatum came up in the clutch and played really, really good. And Boston won. Proved me wrong yet again. Then they go along. And play the Heat. And I say Heat in seven. And it goes to seven. But Boston wins the game seven. Jalen Brown, much better in that series, I believe. And he was a previous two series really awoken. Jason Tatum laid a couple of eggs. But they were able to string more winning games together than the Miami Heat. So every series I have picked against them in seven games. Feeling good about it, too. Feeling really good, really confident. So now, since I've picked against them three times, can't pick against them a fourth. I'm picking the Boston Celtics to beat the Golden State Warriors in seven. I believe that's what it's going to come down to. When you beat the teams Boston has beat, uh, it stands out much more to me than what the Warriors beat. Let's, let's take a look at it, shall we? First round moving on. Boston, like I said, first round beat the offensive duo of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. The duo everyone said was better than JT, Jason Tatum, and JB, Jalen Brown. Everybody thought they were better, including me, uh, that, you know, 
even though Boston had the depth and the defense, the offense of the Nets was just going to be a little too much to bear, and Boston was not going to be able to keep up. However, majority of the people were wrong, including myself, and Boston beat Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, a top 75 player, one of the best in the game right now, a top three player in the game right now, and Kyrie, much better. Then who Golden State beat in their first round? Who did they beat? They beat the MVP, Nikola Jocic, and that's it. No Michael Porter, no Jamal Murray. Draymond put on an, off, an absolute defensive clinic on Nikola Jocic. Uh, and with nobody to defend Steph and Jordan Poole, it was just easy, easy money for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, that They only had one guy in, you know, if you were to tell me right now, who would you rather face in a seven-game series, the Nuggets or the Nets? Most people would choose the Nets because Jokic is all you got. You're cornering on him. That's it. He does not scare you as much as Kyrie and KD combined. So Golden State had it much easier. And they won in five games while Boston swept. Only sweep so far in the NBA playoffs, Boston on the Nets. So to me, that first-round series, Boston was better than the Warriors. Now let's go to the second series. Boston playing the best player on the planet in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has an otherworldly series. But the role players step up. Grant Williams, Game 7, pivotal. Robert Williams, when he plays, is good. Jason Tatum was phenomenal. So the Boston Celtics beat Giannis. Yes, he's shorthanded, but they still got Drew, Bobby P, and the defense was really good. Now, who does Golden State play in the second round? They play the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I pick the Memphis Grizzlies to win. But Golden State had a huge advantage. Why? Because for effectively three games, the last three games of the series, the superstar that I believe is a tremendous player, top ten in the league right now, Ja Morant was out due to a knee injury. So three games without Ja Morant. And their other, one of their other best players, one of their other top three or four players, Dylan Brooks was essentially suspended for two games, got a flagrant two in the opening minutes of game two, season gone, and then game three, he is suspended as well. So two games he's gone, and Desmond Bain battling a back injury. So really, Memphis is hamstrung. There's nothing much they can do, and they give the Warriors all they can handle. In six games, uh, and a couple of Golden, Gold, uh, Memphis, Warriors, or Memphis Grizzlies should have won if they had their stars playing. They would have won. So to me, it's not that impressive to beat the Memphis Grizzlies that shorthanded compared to what Boston had to deal with with Giannis, who is much more imposing on defense. They're legitimate superstar, whereas Golden State got off the hook, not facing John Moran for the whole series. And then we look at the last round. Boston had to face the number one seed in the conference, the Miami Heat, Jimmy Buckets, who has been on a postseason tear. And they were able to have the defense uh, to withstand and win that series Jalen Brown was great. They were able to neutralize Bam uh, by playing Robert Williams. Al Horford had stretches of greatness. So Boston beat the number one seed. Did Golden State have to beat the number one seed? No, they didn't. They faced the Dallas Mavericks. The four seed Dallas, who won in seven against the Suns. But it was looking like just Luka. Jalen Brunson hit a few shots here. There, Reggie Bullock. But... All they had to do was neutralize Luka Doncic or let him get his and make sure nobody else gets theirs. And they played their defensive system rather very well. And they were able to stop the Mavericks again, who only superstar on the team is Luka Doncic. So to me, the Warriors or the Celtics path to the finals was much more challenging yet much more impressive 
then the Golden State Warriors run to the finals. Now they're meeting up, and I have the Celtics in seven. I picked against them in seven every time. I think this series is going to seven every time. And to me, Golden State doesn't have a huge home court advantage. You know, game seven, you know, LeBron has gone in there in a game seven and whooped up on him. So if it goes to a game seven, I'm not going crazy. I think it actually helps if Boston goes to a game seven because they played better on the road. They played better on the road in the Heat series and in the Buck series. Uh, I think there's less, I think the team feels like there's less pressure to win on the road where it's a game clinching scenario in your home stadium, you know, it seems like it's a bit much for Boston. You know, the crowd's crazy. You know, it's an iconic uh, basketball uh, court to the TD Garden Center that, you know, expectations are high. And it's just easier to win on the road for Boston. That's why I have Boston winning this series. They are better on the road. And I know Golden State's better at home, so it's going to equalize. But I like Boston a lot. I think Boston wins tonight. Uh, I like the matchups. I like the uh, way that, you know, Boston is the only team that has a, you know, winning percentage against the Golden State Warriors under Steve Kerr. And I just like how they match up. Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I'll give him his credit. I believe he can shut down Stephen Curry to a degree. And I said to a degree. I don't think it's going to be a legitimate shutdown where uh, we see 2016 Stephen Curry in the finals. But I believe that Marcus Mark can limit him to where he's not averaging 27-28 a game, maybe 23 a game. I can see Marcus Mark doing that. Jalen Brown on Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson is not the master skill ball handler that Steph Curry is. I believe Jalen Brown can handle uh, Clay Thompson. Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, a matchup to me heavily favors, heavily favors Jason Tatum. And then uh, Draymond Green, Al Horford, that'll be a great matchup. And then Robert Williams and Kevon Looney, if they go route, that route, if they put Jordan Poole in, Boston can throw in Grant Williams as well. So both teams, lots of depth, but Boston is the best defensive team. It was the best defensive team in the NBA, best defensive team in the playoffs. Now, I think Draymond's a better defender than Marcus Smart because Draymond can green, uh, Draymond can guard uh, much more positions. He can guard the one through five, uh, whereas Marcus Smart cannot. Uh, he sticks primarily to the guards. So that in itself is going to be a tremendous matchup. But again, I look at the defense and the depth of the Boston Celtics, and I think they can handle the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I think defensively, uh, Golden State will not be able to handle Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum wins finals MVP. I think he plays great. in Boston wins this series in seven games. But to me, there's a big X factor to this series. And that is player health. You have Marcus Smart, or Robert Williams, who have been out the past few weeks managing their pain, uh, you know, knee injuries, quad injuries, you know, all kind of injuries. And then, you know, on the Warriors side, you know, Gary Payton's been out. Otto Porter's dealing with an injury. Same with Andre Iguodala. So it really is going to come down to the health of the players in this series. To me, that's the biggest X factor. Who is going to be the most uh, healthy at the end of it? I think we have seen this playoff run by the Chris Middleton injury. Uh, Devin Booker injured as well. Injuries in his finals. But maybe it is time for a shorter game season. I think at least reducing it to 72 games, uh, maybe even down to 65, where players, uh, you know, you factor in the games to the postseason. That can go a long way 
in player health. Uh, so who's going to be the healthiest? Uh, which key players are going to be the healthiest and step up? And I believe that's going to be the Boston Celtics. Now, does Steph need a finals MVP? Now, the Warriors are the favorite to win this series. Steph Curry is the favorite to win his first finals MVP. And there has been a lot of talk back and forth about this. Uh, does this improve his legacy? Does he need one to be a top 10 guy? Uh, a lot of debate over that because Steph, or Steph Curry lost the two finals MVP to Kevin Durant. 2017-2018, Draymond went on air and said that, you know, Steph Curry was doubled seven times more than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had the better numbers than Steph Curry. Uh, because of that, Kevin Durant replied that's 100% false. From his point of view, uh, Kevin Durant did play out of his mind in that series. I believe he was very deserving of winning of those two finals MVPs. But then if you look at 2015, where Iggy won, kind of lucked into winning that one. I believe Steph should have won that one. I think Iggy says the same thing as well. Uh, So you have that. But again, you look at the guys that have finals MVPs, uh, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, look at Kawhi Leonard, you know, with Kevin Durant, uh, Dirk, Dwayne Wade, all those guys, Isaiah Thomas. You look at all those guys and you think great players and you think Steph should be mentioned in the conversation with them. However, if there was a finals MVP party, Steph Curry would not be granted access. You have 10, 15 of the greatest players of all time, and Steph Curry does not get access. So it's just like a weird blip on his resume, sort of say, that why isn't this qualification on here? To me, to be a top 10 player of all time, you have to win a finals MVP. So when you have jokers up there, like Pat Bev, saying that, you know, if Steph Curry wins another one and gets finals MVP, that he's up there with LeBron, it's like, excuse me. Let's say he wins and gets his fourth. Let's say he even gets finals MVP, so he finally enters the chat, the conversation. He's got one finals MVP to go along with his four. And you look at the greats, oh, guess what? When LeBron has won his four. He won finals MVP every single time. Michael Jordan won the six finals MVPs to go with it. Shaq out of his four, won three. So again, he, when they were in the finals, LeBron was the best player every single time he was in it. We can't say the same about Steph Curry. So does it hurt his legacy? Are we going to count this against him? No, I'm not going to count it against him. But... If you want to improve it, if you want to be a top 10 guy, you need a finals MVP. Now, to me, his resume is better than Kevin Durant. He's got more rings. He's got uh, the scoring titles to match. He's got the um, more MVPs. The only thing that's missing is the finals MVP. It's like a redacted piece of information that is a key component and you wish you had it. That's what's going to, you know be the same thing for uh, Steph Curry if he does not finish with a finals MVP. And even if they win, I know he's a favorite, but Clay has had a few good games. So if he strings together a few out-of-this-world games where the game six Clay, where he just shoots out of his mind, which he can do at times, I could see Clay Thompson winning the finals MVP. Uh, so again, Steph doesn't need this, but to enter the top 10 of all time conversation, he has got to have it because every other one has a finals MVP. So in order to get past the bouncer, 
you got to show your finals MVP certificate, and that's what he has to do. Uh, when you're looking at the greatest point guards, you look at Magic Johnson. He's got his finals MVPs. So we can't rank Steph Curry out of Magic Johnson if Magic Johnson has something that Steph Curry does not have. So again, it's absurd to hear takes of Steph Curry passing Magic Johnson, passing LeBron James when he is still missing something on his resume. And even if he gets it, the other guys still have more. So that's that right there. I'm rooting for Celtics in seven, of course. This is a hard matchup as a LeBron fan. Uh, not liking the Celtics earlier uh, with his days in the Heat and the Cavs. And then, uh, of course, later in the Cavs and now with the Lakers, Warriors have been kind of the enemy. So, again, I'm not a Warriors fan uh, at all. Default picking the Celtics in seven as well. Uh, Celtics in seven. It's what the doctor ordered. Then two of the teams that lost didn't make it. Mavs lost in five. I said the Mavs are going to win. What do the Mavs need to do now? Well, I'm going to say that they need to get Luka more help. They need another star. When we look at the teams in the NBA, look at the two teams in the finals, we have the Splash Brothers, uh, Clay and Steph, but then you've added a third in there. Jordan Poole's been terrific. You look at the Celtics, they had a dynamic duo in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Luka needs more help. I think Jalen Brunson's a nice piece, but he won't attain to the other levels that uh, the other dynamic duos have in common. I think Reggie Bullock, Vinny Smith, they're all nice pieces. They can shoot down shots, but I think the Mavs are missing one piece. They need one more to me. The limit for them is the conference finals uh, with how they are currently constructed. That's the limit. Uh, So if they want to make it to the NBA finals, they need to add another bona fide star, one that just fits with Luka, either a shooter or a or a legit big man. I know they had Porzingis, but let's get honest here. He's not a legit big man. Uh, he's not somebody like an AD or a Bam or a Jaron Jackson or a Draymond Green or a Jokic or an Embiid. He is not in that conversation. That's who the Mavs, I believe, need. They need somebody who can play defense, guard multiple positions, and be a dominating offensive force in the post, get offensive rebounds, uh, put back, run a pick and roll with Luka. I think that would take the Mavs offense to the next level. That's exactly what you need. So if I'm the Mavs, uh, what I'm doing is, of course, I'm going to monitor the Nets uh, system and see if Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to leave, and I'm going to target Kevin Durant. But if not, I might look at DeAndre Ayton. Now, the price might be a little high because – you just sent the Suns home, and now you want a key guy to add to your team and take away for the Suns. So the price might be a little high. Might need to look in the Eastern Conference uh, to poach someone. But to me, that's that's a big need for the Mavs is getting Luka some more help. Now what about the Heat? They lost in seven, but can they make it to the NBA Finals? Currently constructed. Yes, I believe so. We've seen them make it to the NBA Finals before. But they need more consistency from Bam, from Jimmy Butler. And they also needed to get healthier. It hurt that your final three, four games, Tyler Hero is out due to a groin injury, who happened to be the sixth man of the year and shot 40% from three this year. So it was a pretty big loss for the Heat. In the series, yes, he's a defensive liability, but when you can shoot like that, create your own shot, that is a big, 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 big loss. So with the way 
the East is. Chris Middleton coming back, but Bucks to me are still going to be the favorite. Heat might need one more piece, one more playmaker. Kyle Lowry aged a lot from the 2019 run with the Raptors to 2020 or 2022. He's not the same uh, point guard type of player that he was there. To me, they need another facilitator. I like Bam. I think he is a star in this league, a star in the making. So I think they add uh, another playmaker. And I think they have to add another big man because when Bam is off a bench and they go small, it is ultra, ultra small to have P.J. Tucker for five and Struth and Martin and Vincent. So another big man is needed for when Bam gets off to handle some of the boards because they got dominated uh, in that series against the Celtics. Uh, That's one thing they're going to have to fix and look at in the coming months uh, to get better, to improve, and to try to make it to the NBA Finals because I think Jimmy Butler is your superstar, but just give him a touch more help to compete with is a competitive East. Now moving on to the NHL. And to me, this really is the four four worst possible teams in matchups. As a Penguins fan that I could have asked for. Oilers, Avalanche in the West and in the East, Lightning and the uh, Rangers. It's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, it's painful to watch. Uh but from default, I am now rooting for the Avalanche uh, to win this series. And it's the lesser of the four evils. So I'm picking the Avalanche to win this series. Of course, I'm nervous now because Kemper is out. But to me, even with their backup goalie in uh, Francois, uh, I do think Mike Smith is not that good. Again, eight goals, you know, they ran him out of in that the Avalanche did. Uh, I think they're too good. Of course, they're the lesser evil because McKinnon's great, but he's not on the same level as McDavid. Now, if he has a ring, you could make an argument for that, or if he has a Stanley Cup, there's an argument for that. Uh, but the Avalanche have really built a super team with McKinnon and Landeskog. Kadri's been great. Acquired uh, Kemper, Makar. So offense galore. Oilers can't root for Connor McDavid because obviously – as a Penguin fan, as Crosby, I'm sick of the comparison. So the longer Connor McDavid goes without a Stanley Cup, the better it is for my case. So I can't have him win. And then if you go to the Lightning Rangers, it's just easy because my team is repeated like the Lightning have, but they can't repeat. They can't have as many rings as my core guys. Uh, that would be huge. So I don't really want that. I'd have to then root extra hard for my Penguins, especially Crosby, to win one more. And, of course, the Rangers beat me this year. So I can't have that at all. Don't want to see them win it. Uh, And the thing that frustrates me the most about this stretch of uh, the Rangers is how good Igor looks. It's, It's painstaking, really. I feel like Kevin Garnett in the... uh, you know, the NBA 75 ceremony where he daps up LeBron James and Kevin Garnett standing there looking up, clenching his fists like, I can't believe this right now that I ain't getting this treatment. And that's exactly how I feel. I can't believe this right now that we are praising Igor Shesterkin. Now, I know regular season, he was great. But against the Penguins, he was terrible, terrible. First game, he let in four. I chased uh, then in game uh, two, he rebounded. But then I chased him away in games three and four. Absolutely run him out, scoring, you know, four goals on him. You know, I score seven total in both games. I make him look like a chump. And then in the next three games that I lose, I score three every single time. Every single time. And guess what? Since then, since then, the Hurricanes and the Lightning combined 
have gone to score three goals on Igor Shosturkin once, once. I was able to do it all seven games of the series, or I should take that back. I was able to do it six out of the seven games in one series. And then combined Hurricanes and Lightning so far can only do it once, once. If I just had an adequate goalie, if I didn't have Louis Domingue, my third string goalie, in for five games, who knows what the series would have hold, but it is... It's it's painful to me. This one, this one definitely reminds me of the Rams and Buccaneers, where the Rams had that fluke play because of the Buccaneers defense, and they win the game. Same thing, and I lose in overtime, and I have to endure the Rangers winning another series and taking advantage of the Lightning because suddenly they can't score on Igor. Well, put my offense in there. I can score on him. I made him look like an average Joe. So it definitely is frustrating to watch. So in the West, again, I've got the Avalanche beating the Oilers. I just think Avalanche are too much depth, too much talent, uh, better goaltending than Mike Smith. So I like the Avalanche in that series. I had the Avalanche in five initially. But with the Kemper injury, I might be pushing it to Avalanche in six. But still, Avalanche are winning of the series there. And then in the other series, I got Lightning in seven. New York Rangers took the first game six to two, blew them out. Uh, but the one thing I have solace in is that last 18 games that the Lightning have lost, they have rebounded and won the next game. So I can basically bank on the Lightning winning the game two. And then it's nice because the series then goes to Tampa. And I think Tampa can take a 3-1 lead and close uh, the Rangers out, which they probably won't because the Rangers like little rats, which is what New York is. Uh, all they have is a bunch of rats around the streets. That's what they are. Like a little gnawing rat that can't go away. It's going to force a game seven to where the Lightning are going to finally exterminate the rat, which are the Rangers, is what they are. The New York, New York Strangers uh, like Stranger Things up in here. I feel like I'm in the upside down of this postseason. For all major sports, has not been kind to me. Not been kind letting the Rams win, letting the Celtics and the Warriors in the finals, and one of the two four teams that are going to win this NHL Finals. It's not good. I'm going to need September to come around very shortly for the NFL. That's why the match was so much more entertaining yesterday because I was able to watch quarterbacks and the GOAT play. So, yes, I've got the Avalanche in five. I've got the Lightning in seven. Definitely more nervous about that Lightning Ranger series, but I definitely have... Lightning in seven. I think Vasilevsky will rebound. He's got the experience, of course. It is hard for a team to three-peat. It's hard for a team to repeat. Uh, But I like the Lightning in that series, and I'm picking the Avalanche as the lesser of the four evils. Now moving on to MLB. I want to give you my top five teams in baseball right now. Number five, the San Diego Padres. Why? Well, they're a better defensive team than the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee's one I kind of had on the fringe there. Who am I going to put at five? But I like San Diego more because Joe Musgrove is the clear ace in the department who they needed. And now, you know, you've got Musgrove, you Darvish. It's a good, good rotation uh, there. So with that, with Manny Machado playing great as well, uh, I got to put San Diego at five. You know, one of the best teams in the league without their superstar and Fernando Tatis. Give me San Diego at five. Number four, the Houston Astros. Another team that does not... A go away. They're 33 and 18. 
Uh, they're one of the best teams in the AL as well. They've won four games in a row, seven games out of their past 10. Uh, Houston is a team uh, nobody wants uh, to play at the right time. Uh, so, you know, Astros hitting is also doing really well. So that's why they are sitting there at number four. Now we're getting to the big three, where to me there's some separation between the top tier of teams of one through three, then there is four and five. Number three, the New York Mets, who have the most wins in baseball at 35, uh, second best winning percentage of baseball at 67%. They've won six in a row, eight of their past 10 games. Uh, dominant, they have the most shutouts in the MLB. Uh, as well, they have scored the second most runs as well. Uh, they lead the division by 10.5 games, which is most in Major League. They are a great, great team. Number two is the New York Yankees, who have the best winning percentage in baseball, who've done very well in their division. They're 34-15. and 15. Aaron Judge is playing like an MVP candidate. He's been out of his mind uh, then as well. Clay Holmes has been a great reliever as well. Uh, starting rotation has been shaky lately. Uh, but Clay Holmes, the hitting power of the New York Yankees, have kept them afloat and have kept them uh, one of the best teams in baseball. But who is the best? That is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, I know that's rough to say because they've lost three in a row, which is great because it's brought it back down to earth, but they are the best offensive team in baseball. They've scored 274 runs. They have the best run differential by far, plus 112. Second is the Yankees at plus 79. That's 30 plus, you know, better than Los Angeles because they are a true Super team. I mean, there you go. Uh, if it wasn't for the Pirates this past week, they probably would have fared much better. So I'm happy they're trying to regress to the mean there. But Los Angeles Dodgers are still the far and away favorite uh, to win the World Series this year, even though you can bank on that not happening. Uh, said that here first and multiple times too before this. So this has been unbothered with Josh Morani. It has been nice to be back, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.